Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to another episode of the Warriors 24-7 podcast. You can follow our podcast on Twitter at Warriors247Pod. I'm your host, Brandon Cadiz, joined by Javier Landoverde again. We are excited to be talking Warriors second round as the Warriors advance after they beat the Denver Nuggets 4-1, closing it out at the first closeout game in Chase center history Javi it went down to the wire but ultimately the Warriors pulled out with the victory yeah Brandon it was a really close game and and you know the Warriors show grit determination to bounce back and close the deal versus the Denver Nuggets great close win there Nikola Jokic went to work we'll get into that a little bit later but we gotta update you Warriors fans joining in every single week to our podcast what's gonna happen next when will the Warriors play next well it all depends on the game tonight they're of course waiting the winner of the Memphis Grizzlies and Minnesota Timberwolves they tip off at 6 p.m tonight Friday and if Memphis wins tonight they, the Warriors, will travel to Memphis for game one on Sunday. But if Minnesota forces a game seven and Minnesota wins, then they will play on Tuesday in San Francisco. Well, the Warriors, of course, are the betting title favorites. Golden State Warriors, we'll get into that a little later, but we got to recap some of the games last night, Javi. We mentioned it briefly before coming on to the show off air. That Utah Jazz game, man, I tweeted out that Joe Ingles would have hit that last shot and forced a game seven. There's something about Utah just choking in the playoffs, Javi. Yeah, Brandon, I think it's time to blow it up for the Utah Jazz. Uh, they try to run with this squad for a while now and I think they really do have to get rid of you know potentially see them try to move on from Rudy Gobert but we'll see how that goes but I think they might either blow it up or just change a lot of per, per, um, you know coaching or other players as well in the rotation yeah and I don't know if you saw but Rudy Gobert was doing some questionable stuff before the game he has a beehive in his backyard and he got stung by his own bees, and he still played last night. I don't know if that could have affected him, but not a good way to start off there. And, of course, last night, another closeout game in the Western Conference. Jose Alvarado and the New Orleans Pelicans couldn't get it done against CP3 and the Phoenix Suns. Devin Booker returned, looked pretty good, but, of course, CP3 set an NBA playoff record for most field goals attempted and made without a miss. 14 for 14 last night for CP3. Yeah, what a great game from Phoenix Suns. Um, Devin Booker also came to play last night. And you got to give props to New Orleans. Um, They're not a fully complete team, but the way they've done, changed the team around, getting C.J. McCollum, drafting, you know, valuable players like Alvarado, Herb Jones, and many more. Like, 
they've been they did great and that's still without Zion Williamson. So this New Orleans team is is gonna be really interesting to see next season how they pan out. Yeah, we'll get to the last game in the East yesterday, a closeout game between the Raptors and the 76ers. But before we do so, we gotta get to our sponsor, Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season futures. And don't forget, the MLB is back as well. Who are you picking to win the World Series? Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting in your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started. Head to the website or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And as we look at the updated Bet Online Championship favorite odds for the NBA title here, Golden State Warriors up there at plus 275, the Celtics at plus 325, Suns at plus. 350 and the heat at plus 700 bucks close it out at plus 750 chris middleton with that injury is going to be tough he is reported to not return until the conference finals and that's late into the finals and speaking of that we head to the east hobby last night it was tough we thought that Potentially, Toronto was going to force a game seven, but then ultimately Philadelphia pulled out to a 20-plus point lead, and that ended the question if Doc Rivers was going to blow another three-win lead there. With your thoughts there on Philadelphia? Yeah, Philly has been a pretty good team. Um, kind of interesting to see how much of that injury that Joel Embiid has will impact them moving forward, but they've done the good job closing out Raptors team that just like New Orleans, they've been pretty good, solid, and just been a surprising team. So we'll see how they move on to the next series, which will be a tough series for Philly. Yeah, Philly, of course, going to square off against the number one seeded Eastern Conference team in the Miami Heat and Eric Spolstra. The matchup I'm most looking forward to is Milwaukee and Boston. That's going to be a great matchup. But Javi, let's dive back into our dubs. Our Warriors advance to the second round, and we got to go back to that Game 5 victory. We mentioned last episode last week where the Warriors were up 3-0 that Aaron Gordon was a factor in Game 3, and he ended up being a factor in Games 4 and 5. No one had an answer for Aaron Gordon to start this game off. Finished with 15 points, 8 rebounds in 2 blocks, and Draymond Green picked up an early foul within the first 10 seconds of the game because of a drive by Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon really showed out later in those last three games, Javi. Yeah, if we, if we, you know, Mike Malone, he's been, you know, on, just talking on that Aaron Gordon has to just be that guy of just attacking the basket, not settle for shots or, or threes and just be aggressive. And Aaron Gordon, the last three games for this series, he's been there most vocal leader, passionate guy, often just sometimes even like instigating like small little fights. You know, we had that small little moment. It wasn't that much between him and Draymond, you know, when Gordon 
got called for the offensive foul, and then he tossed the ball on Draymond, but wasn't much. But he's been that guy that made the impact for them, especially to help out Jokic. Yeah, I was just glad that Draymond didn't get a technical there because he he lifted his foot up, and that could have started something to bigger scale. Great job there by the referees, letting them play a little bit, letting something slide because it's the NBA playoffs. And speaking of Draymond Green, the Draymond Green show, he gave all his props to Nikola Jokic in the series, if you want to touch on that. Yeah, so Draymond, he he said, you know, in, in his podcast that, you know, that that Jokic got the best out of him and he really – admires that how much of a better player Jokic has made for Draymond Green. He feels that he's been better, that Jokic really did give him problems and he had to up, amp up his, you know, his his potential and, and go all out Draymond for this series. And we got to give props to Draymond. You know, Jokic isn't an easy guy to handle. He's just very skilled, different, big than other guys in the league. And we... You know, Draymond has done a pretty good job on him in this series, Brandon. Yeah, Nikola Jokic, I wrote an article on him a few years back, uh, two years to be exact, and it was the first year he started to show flashes of being an MVP, and I wanted to give him that MVP that year, but Giannis won it that season. Followed to the next year, of course, he won MVP, and I've always been on a Nikola Jokic bandwagon from the start I thought he was the most skilled big man in the game and he's proven me and proven others wrong though that he is an MVP player every single season and I was just waiting for him to miss those uh, contested shots whether it was Draymond Green or Kevon Looney down on the post he turns to his left turns to his right he has a little sick floater or hook shot Nikola Jokic can just do it all In addition to that, he's a playmaker. He can pass it out. And Draymond also said that, thank God, they don't have to see him for a sixth game or further on. Draymond wished that they could have closed it out on four, of course, to give him a little bit of rest because Jokic has caused him the most problems as a big man, even Draymond said himself. But some surprise there, Javi. This guy had trouble in Sacramento. No one wanted him in the league. He reunites with his former Kings coach and Mike Malone. And Mike Malone at the end of the regular season just rejuvenated Boogie Cousins. And for the past few games, especially in game five, he came out swinging 19 points, 8 of 12 shooting, 2 of 3 from beyond the arc. And that's only in 15 minutes. He almost sent his former team to game six. Uh, Brandon this season for me uh DeMarcus oh sorry looks repeat better. that Javi you got you got cut off there cut off yeah Brandon uh so DeMarcus he he looks different Brandon he looks like he's in better shape um you know like he's been more mobile um and like Draymond said you know DeMarcus could be a key piece for any team moving forward he could defend pretty good in the pick and roll and he's very skilled enough to pass the ball, create opportunities for others. And he still has ability ability to post up, make his open three. So, yeah, we I think that moving forward, DeMarcus could be a pretty good, serious, you know, X factor for any team who wants to pick up on DeMarcus Cousins. The main question here after that game, and the Warriors did close it out, of course, but 
Did the Warriors miss on Boogie Cousins? No one wanted him. The Warriors saw him on the team a few years back. And I think he could have played a key factor, uh, especially with James Wiseman going out. Of course, the Warriors had the marbles all in on James Wiseman to return. And I guess that's why they didn't sign Boogie Cousins because they were con- they were confident in James Wiseman returning. But looking back at it, revisionist history, uh, do you think Boogie Cousins could have helped this center woes that the Warriors currently have? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think offensively he adds a lot of stuff that they they could probably need from him. But, you know, I think they need someone to keep it simple. And I think that's where we're seeing Kevon Looney uh, come in sometimes, you know, just provide, you know, yeah. the simple screening and stuff like that. But it would have been killed. nice to have. Yeah. Looney got killed uh, by Cousins. He did, but it, it would have been nice to have uh, DeMarcus um, kind of like as a luxury, just, you know, for an offensive spurt player or someone to throw the ball down low. Uh, but I don't think they regret their decision. We didn't even know that Weissman would have regressed from his injuries. But, um, yeah, I think maybe it, it's tough for the Warriors. I don't think they would have predicted that Weissman would have gone down. Yeah, and for Boogie, Draymond, of course, on his podcast also was someone that is really advocating for him to be in the league next year. And I think after his playoff performance and how he closed out the regular season, he can find a team. Maybe he stays with Denver there as a great, great backup to Nikola Jokic. But Javi, also mentioning uh, the big man causing trouble for the Warriors, Kevon Looney, like I said, got torched by Boogie Cousins. And when Nikola Jokic came out of the game, there was a sigh of relief in a sense in which, hey, Nikola Jokic is out of the game, but Boogie Cousins did his thing and it looked troublesome for Kevon Looney. Um, We'll talk about the future playoff matchups between Cat or Jaron Jackson Jr., Steven Adams, whoever the Grizzlies throw at the Warriors, but it it could be troublesome there for the Warriors in the second round, but we got to address how Denver out-rebounded the Warriors there 50-37 to in game five of that contest. And also offensive rebounds, 14-6. to That's ultimately what gave Denver a 10-point lead heading into the fourth quarter. It's just troublesome to see the Warriors have still that issue in rebounding with this new small, or not new, but putting Jordan Poole in here in this new uh, created small ball lineup. Yeah, so it, it was interesting this game because we finally saw per um this Denver Nuggets game five, we finally saw the death lineup kind of start, uh, Brandon. And uh, you know, I, I think the way Kerr wanted, he just wanted to quickly have that death lineup just outpower Denver right off the bat, get into some flow of just making shots, threes, and just try to, you know, take Denver out of, you know, quickly. But we did see that they started having issues with rebounding and the size difference. And so he started like changing the, the lineup as the game went on. But uh, yeah, I think rebounding might be an issue for the Warriors moving forward um, to the next series. Um, so it'll be something to watch out for, Brendan. Yeah, a little bit of a hot take here. And we'll get into Jordan Poole's struggles a little later. Of course, Jordan Poole is gonna, was not going to continue that hot streak 
because he was shooting at 60% from the three and the field goal percentage. We, that The regression was going to come no matter what, but we just didn't expect him to regress this fast. That's not my hot take, though. My hot take is the Warriors' closing five-death lineup, I think, includes GP2 for Jordan Poole. You saw those final five minutes, and you saw the defensive intensity that GP2 brought up and his clutch-making three-point shot, but also the five looked really good out there. And especially, I want to credit Stephen Curry for playing great defense the last five minutes of that contest. Klay Thompson looks like he has his lateral movement back. Two-way wigs is two-way wigs. And, of course, Draymond Green. Yeah, Brandon, Gary Payton was very big last night. I think uh, that's good for Curry, you know, you know, we didn't really expect Poole to kind of streak out a bit of his flow, but it doesn't matter, Brandon. This team is very stacked. You know, they've been saying the whole season, next man up. Gary Payton was ready for these couple games, and la- and game five, he just came prepared, and he did his thing, Brandon. Well, what do, you, what do you think about that? If Jordan Poole continues to struggle, do you think the Warriors can sacrifice that one offensive player, plug in GP2, and just hope he continues – his three-point shooting when everyone leaves him open? Or what are your thoughts on having that uh, death lineup sub Jordan Poole for for Gary Payton II? For me personally, I think, and then we'll talk about it for the potential next series, but, you know, I probably having three guard lineup, you know, Curry, Clay, and Poole could be a bit of, too much um mm-hmm. you know because some of them would need the touches but I think Gary Payton he doesn't need touches he he's more off the ball so for me I think Gary Payton would be good to have in a closeout game and um I think we'll see Gary Payton I think you know we'll talk about it later but I think we'll see Gary Payton play much more in the next series yeah we'll talk about the matchup later uh between either the Grizzlies or the T-Wolves, and we'll see what lineups change depending on that matchup a little later in the show. So keep listening on. Thanks for tuning in. Of course, you're listening to the Warriors 24-7 podcast. Follow the pod on Twitter at Warriors 24-7 pod. Javi, Steph Curry back in the lineup. 30 points for Steph Curry in 38 minutes. No minutes restriction. Led the team in minutes played. 30 points for Steph. 10 of 22, 5 of 11 from beyond the arc, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals. But that's not the story, Javi. Steph has seemed in this playoffs to start off slow, but come clutch at the most crucial moments of the game. We saw him continue to dribble, dribble, and attack, and go to the basket early on, then hit some clutch threes. He was vintage, Steph. He took over. He No one could stop him when he, was, when he was trying to get into the lane, and that's an underrated part still of Steph Curry's game. Yeah, Brandon, Steph, he came in, you know, and this is the luxury for the worst is that, you know, we had the luxury of having Steph kind of get back to fitness, um, pool, you know, the first three games. It was kind of, you know, people were talking that Steph should have started over pool, but Poole was in great form, and that allowed Steph to get some rest, uh, allowed to get back in shape. And now, you know, that Steph is back in shape, no minute restrictions, we're going to see the best out of Steph Curry. And that's a good problem, Brandon, because, you know, if we've seen the, this whole entire playoffs, 
there's a lot of star players who are either injured or have some nagging injuries like um, previously with Doncic or right now with Booker or Middleton. So the good thing for the Warriors is that everyone is still healthy and our key players are healthy, Brandon. Yeah, and so everyone's saying Steph Curry isn't clutch. He can't show up in big-time games. Steph Curry closed it out here with 11 points in the fourth quarter, was struggling from the three-point line, though, um, as we look at – no, no, uh, struggled at the free-throw line is what I meant to say. Steph Curry again, Javi, we saw him miss four free-throws in game four in Denver, and in game five, he missed two free throws. Is there something with Steph missing all these free throws that we really need to be concerned about? I think uh, they brought it up that the Warriors were only shooting 69% as a team in the first round at the free throw line. Um, We mentioned it last episode, Poole missed some free throws in game three as well. Um, Thoughts on the free throw woes for the two best free throw shooters, especially with Steph Curry. Yeah, Brent, I was kind of thinking about that. I'm not sure if the Nuggets have, you know, not LED lights or probably they have too much. Or maybe it's because they're in Colorado and it's high up in the elevation, you know, right? Rockies and elevation. But, uh, you know, I think, who knows? I, I, I really think, you know, it's a little thing. I think, you know, it's not going to be a big issue. They're going to end up making their free throws. And like you said, shooters shoot. So, you know, we're going to make sure to see that Curry and Clay or Poor are going to start making their free throws in a better clip. Yeah, I think I know we're overanalyzing this a bit. Personally, I like to do that, especially because Steph, I saw, missed a couple bunnies, a couple easy floaters and a couple mid-ranges there in game five. So we'll continue to see. I think Steph's shot has definitely changed in the mid-range. If you go back and watch some tape, he's shooting it more flat at the mid-range for some reason. That's something I'm going to be looking forward to in game two, if he can get his shot at the mid-range position back. But we got to – I got to bring up Clay Thompson, Javi. He looked spry. He looked quick. He even mentioned himself that he feels like he's gotten that defensive intensity, especially going lateral. That was the question we wanted to know with the MCL, ACL, Achilles injuries that Clay has had, if that was going to be something that comes back. And I think we saw it in game five. He had four steals, which is really impressive and led the team in that note. But here's a crazier stat for you here, Javi, if I can just pull this up. Um, saw this on Warriors Muse, so like stat news, but specifically for the Warriors on Twitter. April 27th, of course, uh, two days ago, Clay Thompson, not nine rebounds in that game, led the Warriors and defeated the Denver Nuggets to advance to the second round. And I'm doing some math right now, I'm trying to see how many years ago this was. Almost 35 years ago to the exact date, his father, Michael Thompson, grabbed nine rebounds and also defeated the Denver Nuggets to advance to the second round. And both of them, Javi, this is where it gets even more crazier. Both of them missed eight shots. But the most important stat out of all of this from that year, 35 years ago for his dad, Michael Thompson, he won an NBA championship that year. So I don't know if history is going to repeat itself. It looks like it's going to, but those are just weird coincidences. Man, Brandon, I mean, if that's a coincidence, I'd rather have that. You never know. I mean, 
the Warriors could win the championship this year. But I've been really impressed with Clay. I know for this series, Poole and Curry have been getting much of the attention. But Clay, he's been solid. You know, this series, he's been averaging close to 23 points per game, four rebounds and assists and a steal. And he's been shooting it at 45% three-point clip and 50% field goal. But to answer to your question, yeah, his defense has been solid. I Clay, for me, he's looking close to 90% of who he was in 2019. And, you know, we've seen him being switched up to bigger guys, quicker guys, and we've been seeing him getting either blocks or some steals in the game. So it's glad to see Clay that he looks like he's getting in better shape after missing two seasons of severe injuries, Brendan. Yeah, and if, it, if Clay continues to have this success – as the uh, playing the three position, as we've seen, if the Warriors go small ball and go with a three-guard lineup again, this is the future of the NBA. Guys at the height of Clay Thompson, he can play that three position. He's been doing it uh, this past in the regular season as well, and Clay Thompson looks good at that three position. It's just how the NBA is going to play now. He can be a pick-and-pop defensive guy, three, three and defensive player like Andre Iguodala, was if they continue to roll out with that. But, Javi, we got to talk about the, the player that was hot in the first three games of the series against Denver, and that's J.P. Jordan Poole. First three games, 28 points, nearly 29, three rebounds, and almost five assists. And here were the numbers, 66, 59, 81 shooting splits. That was going to regress, but the regression has been awful. He shot three of 10 in games four and five nine and a half points only for Jordan Poole on 30, 22 and a hundred shooting splits in 32 minutes. What has been the issue with Jordan Poole? You think in game four and five, I think it's the physicality Denver, of course, in game four was going harder at the guards, especially at the end of game three, try to force them to the foul line. Do you think a little bit of aggressive contested defense has um, deterred Jordan Poole? So I think, Brandon, I think there's three things I noticed. Uh, one thing is that Jordan picked up a nagging elbow injury in in one of those Denver games. Not sure which game was it, but they haven't really said it was a um, severe injury. So I'm not sure if that's nagging him still. But I did notice, like you say, you're right. They upped the physicality on Poole. And Steph did mention it as well in some interviews that you know, that's something that Jordan has to figure it out a little bit on the fly. Um, he dealt with that same issue, you know, during the po- the playoffs, you know, with his experience. So, you know, Jordan, he's a young guy. This is his first playoffs. So, well, you know, after this season, you know, Poole should learn, you know, to how to play differently when teams get aggressive with him and up the physicality. And then last thing, Brandon, too, I think, you know, we did mention a little bit, that pool could be a very streaky shooter scorer. So we're not a hundred percent sure if he's missing some shots that he should be able to make, but that's something to look, you know, to check in the next series. But I think, you know, as long as Curry and Clay are knocking their shots, I think the Warriors are still pretty good for the next series, Brendan. Yeah, that's a great point that you mentioned there. Before this hot streak this season of Jordan Poole becoming Jordan Poole, we did see him in those early years, Javi, struggling. And when he struggles, he struggles like a streaky player. And, of course, he had that run earlier this season 
Um, I think it was six, it was capped at either 16 or 17 games where he scored uh, 20 plus points in 16 or 17 straight games. And that was a streak of its own. And he's regressed a bit, but I think this rest will be good for the Warriors. Again, if the Grizzlies win today, the Warriors play Sunday in uh, Memphis. But if they can force a game seven, those pesky Timberwolves, uh, and if they win game seven, they'd play Tuesday at Chase Center. Speaking of a pesky little guy, similar to Patrick Beverly, GP2 came up big with a three-pointer by Draymond Green off the assist. Well, sort of an assist. Draymond on his podcast said it was a bad low pass from Wiggins, too. It was, went it went from uh, Green to Wiggins, back out to uh, GP2. Anyways, Gary Payton the second with a big three-pointer to put the Warriors up by five with a minute left. And GP2 was nearly perfect this game. 15 points, six of eight, three of four from beyond the arc, three rebounds, three assists, two steals, one block. Oh, my God, so many stat lines there for GP2. Remember earlier in the year, Javi, where a lot of Warriors fans were saying, hey, we want to, we should keep Avery Bradley over GP2 because GP2 in the Summer League was na- having this nagging uh, growing injury dating back to the end of last season, I believe. But the Warriors made the right decision. Trust Bob Myers and look at where he's impacting this team right now. Yeah, Brandon. So if we've been looking at GP2 since the Warriors um, have picked him up and he was with the G League team, you know, his development has been really good. And we knew, you know, for most part of Gary Payton's career, he was a very defensive key guy. I think he's one man, uh, defensive player of the year in the G League. But we were so surprised how much he has improved in terms of shooting. Like it's a huge difference between last season and this season and some key stuff into the, the way the Warriors play their offense. Um, but it's a good thing we end up picking Gary Payton over Avery Bradley. I think uh, that was the best decision. And, you know, like I believe Kerr said that, but, you know, we're seeing, you know, different ways small players play now. And, and we're seeing with Gary Payton, with Jose Alvarado, uh, or even a Patrick Barely, these smaller guys who are athletic, very pesky defenders, but also able to contribute on offense off the ball could be something trending in the future of the NBA, Brandon. I love it. And Javi, I, this isn't in our rundown, but I got to go off here. I got to go off on a rant. Andre Iguodala is out because of those uh, neck spasms, uh, spinal whatever thing he had. Anyways, my point here is Andre Iguodala finessed the Warriors this season with that money contract that he got, whatever much million it was. I don't even know, but I know that he has been stealing money from Bob Myers and the Warriors organization since his last stint with the Golden State Warriors. And I'm, I'm sick and tired of it. He, was, he jokes around and complains about the money that he doesn't receive or he wants to get paid for. And Javi, he even earlier this season was criticizing that article that came out. Iguodala was criticizing how the Warriors didn't trade and get veterans on the team. And it's just ironic right now that Andre Iguodala, an older player, can't play in the playoffs with all the rest. And the young guys are being an even bigger factor than he was this season. 
that's all I got to say. I got to let that off my chest. Yeah, Brandon. And then going off from that, Brandon, I believe also recently that Iguodala did mention that the Warriors poorly constructed the, the, you know, the team around the core this season as well. I believe that came out a, a month ago. But I do agree with you. Um, you know, Iguodala hasn't really played enough this season. And, and he's been decently good whenever they need him during the postseason. But he started to become very injury-prone. We're seeing the cracks and tear. And who knows, Brandon, I think potentially this might be his last season. We might see a, a retirement from Iguodala. But we do appreciate Iguodala for what he has brought us memorable memories um for his career and we'll take a look at what his decision is towards the end of this postseason run you know whether he'll retire or continue in the NBA yeah I think it's 100% he's gonna retire at the same time I hope he can play against Memphis and I hope he has a ball out game because we know what happened there in Memphis he got traded there he didn't want to play and then John Morant and all the young guys there were talking all this talk about hey Iguodala chose the wrong team. Look at us now in Memphis. And that's just paraphrasing, but that's ultimately what they were hinting at. I just hope Iguodala has a big game against the Grizzlies if he's able to return. But, Javi, this is the question now. Timberwolves, Grizzlies, tonight in Minnesota, game six. And I've already seen the memes on Twitter. I've seen a lot of people saying it's going to game seven, and it's going to game seven because – NBA referees, NBA officials, Scott Foster, Mr. Game 7 himself, is on Game 6. So, who do you think wins tonight, Javi? And who do you want the Warriors to face? That's tough, Brandon. You know, before you told me that Scott Foster was going to referee, I actually thought Grizzlies would have closed out today, the game. I think we saw already Minnesota at home already choke a game for Memphis. So I had kind of feelings that, you know, we would see Memphis close it out. But Scott Foster, Brandon, is the X factor. He could potentially be a six-man. We don't know. If he makes this game into a foul call early on and not let Memphis be gritty defense and physicality, then we could potentially see game seven, Brandon. But that's pretty much up to Scott Foster and how they officiate today's game. Um and I think ultimately that would determine whether Memphis close it out today or go to a game seven. But for who I want to see the Warriors get matchup, mm-hmm. I'm not sure, Brandon. I'm I'm liking, you know, I, you know, I think some people would think Minnesota would have been the easier team to have. But man, Brandon, I want all the smoke, Memphis. Yeah. I want Memphis. I, you know, the last two seasons they've got the Warriors numbers. They beat the Warriors, but they haven't faced a healthy Warriors squad. And that's a matchup I really do want to see. I think that could potentially prepare them for a conference finals if they do beat Memphis. But I want all the smoke Memphis should match up with the Warriors. Yeah, and dating back in history to the grindfather days, Tony Allen, uh, Zach Randolph, Warriors played them in the playoffs before and they beat them. This is a new-look team, a new-look rivalry between the Warriors and the Memphis Grizzlies. I would also like the Memphis Grizzlies, but here's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that Minnesota wins tonight, though, 
And then in game seven, Memphis wins. I want them to tire out the Grizzlies as much as possible. You know, I want Minnesota to go in there gritty and um, continue to battle with them and just force it to be a longer series. Tire those bodies out. Uh, John Morant has not had the best series. And also Jaron Jackson Jr. has not had the best playoff series for the Memphis Grizzlies. They're a young team. They haven't been to the playoffs with this new-look Memphis Grizzlies lineup. Um, And they could pose, or the Warriors could pose that veteran presence. And, of course, the Warriors didn't have this healthy team, this Draymond Green uh, player, in the regular season against the Memphis Grizzlies. So if we're looking at that and taking all those things considered, then it could be a maybe even a five-game series only for the Warriors if they really click on all the cylinders against a struggling Grizzlies team that can't even beat the number seven seed, um, just like how the Warriors coasted pretty well against the Memphis Grizzlies. But as you mentioned, Javi, the Timberwolves have blown leads in game three. It was a 26-point lead, and in game five, uh, the last game, a 13-point lead. So it's a young Minnesota team. Yeah, obviously, if you want it to be the easier matchup, you would take Memphis because the Warriors um, can play with that a little bit with um, a young team not knowing how to close out games. Yeah, Brandon, I, I think uh, I think for me, uh, the Memphis would be really interesting. Um, you know, we'll we'll probably talk this in a later podcast if they do match up with Memphis, but. You know, the Warriors are not going to have to worry about another Nikolai Jokic in the playoffs. And I think that's going to be a little bit more of a pressure uh, relief for the front court. Uh, But in terms of the backcourt, that's where a lot of the defense would be have to focus moving forward, Brandon. Yeah, um, John Moran, um, Desmond Bain, or if you flip it over to the other side, you'll get Carl Anthony Towns, Patrick Bev, D'Lo, and Carl Anthony Towns. Um, looking at the Memphis Grizzlies, Javi, and you touched on this, and I want you to tell the viewers how good Brandon Clark has been. And we've seen him um, taking on our St. Mary's Gales. We've seen him live um, in Moraga um, when he was with Gonzaga. And I, we, when I got to see him, I thought he was a great talent there. Now with the Memphis Grizzlies and looking uh, godly here in the playoffs, averaging nearly 20 points per game. But the factor is Jaron Jackson Jr. only averaging 10 and 5, but he's doing it on only 39 and 31% shooting splits. Yeah, Brandon. So, you know, if Memphis do play the Warriors the next series, I think Clark could be a pivotal player for them. Clark would be that small five player that they could throw at versus the death squad. Uh, We probably won't see a lot probably Jaron Jackson Jr. I think he's a bit in the slower side, but I think he will be a difference maker for them and potentially an X factor moving forward for the next series. Yeah, you mentioned it for the next series. And um, for the Grizzlies, they've been tinkering around with their lineups. Earlier in the first two games, they saw Steven Adams. They switched him out, put slow-mo in to the starting lineup and roll with Jaron Jackson Jr. in there as well. And then also, uh, recently we've seen Xavier Tillman at the center position. So the Grizzlies are tinkering around their rotation. And 
if the Warriors and Grizzlies do face each other, it's going to be really interesting with the matchups. Does Steve Kerr go three-guard lineup? Does he go Kevon Looney in? Does he go just Draymond Green at the center position? It's all going to be about matchup, especially if they take on the Memphis Grizzlies. Javi, we we're talking here about the Memphis Grizzlies, but ultimately, if we see Minnesota pull off the upset, they win the last two games, Carl uh, Anthony Towns would be the guy to look out for, of course. And other than that, if you shut down Carl Anthony Towns, then Anthony Edwards is a streaky player. He can be on a bit of a heater. We've seen him take on the Warriors earlier this season where he was just shooting the lights out at the Chase Center. Yeah, Brandon. So I think Minnesota also will be an interesting um, team to match up with the Warriors. Uh, I don't, he's not for me in the same level as Jokic, but he does pose a serious threat. Po- uh, posting up or shooting as well. He did call himself the best shooting big man of all time. So that's something that would be interesting to see. Draymond versus Carl Anthony Towns. But the Minnesota does have a lot of weapons. Minnesota does have a lot of athletic big guys that match up well with the Warriors. Um, Vanderbilt, you know, is a few of them that come in and they could run with the Warriors so that that, that'll be a pretty interesting matchup as well with the Minnesota Timberwolves yeah it's uh it's definitely going to be a a contrast between the Nuggets and what one of these teams the Nuggets of course like to slow it down with Nikola Jokic posting it up running the offense through him and then you got these young guys in the Timberwolves and the Grizzlies and being able to run down the court and try to compete with the Warriors uh it's going to be a shooting matchup there and I think it's especially if the Warriors take on the Grizzlies it's going to be key to stopping uh, these fast guys like John Morant um, in transition and if you can stop the Grizzlies in transition then I think the Warriors have a great shot at moving on to the Western Conference Finals but a little bit here Javi we'll touch on that if how does it change uh, when the Warriors face the Timberwolves like are they going to stick with what the rotation was uh, against the Denver Nuggets. And then if you take on the Memphis Grizzlies, does that force you to play guys uh, like GP2 and Jonathan Kaminga more? Or will we even see some Bielitsa sprinkled in a little bit? Yeah, Brandon. So I think Kerr will change up the lineup. Uh, We did see Kerr use more Bielitsa, Porter in the Denver series. The first three games, they played pretty good pretty decent in those first three games those guys uh they wanted to shoot space out the floor but then Denver adjusted Brandon and they 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 started being more aggressive physical and athletic so that's where we saw a bit of GP2 coming in more and Kamingo was introduced due to some injuries. So I believe we will see Gary Payton play more in next series. And we could see Kamingo also playing more just because of Iguodala's injury. We n- we're not sure if moving forward, if he will be out for the next series, Brandon. Yeah, and I think we saw a little bit of Kamingo there in game four at Denver. He provided a little burst there for Steve Curran and his and company. Like when he came into the game, he... Uh, got to the free throw line uh, twice, uh, three for four from the free throw line. And Jonathan Kaminga provides that little bit of energy whenever you need it. So I think Steve Kerr, maybe he's keeping that card in his back pocket and playing it at the right moment, especially against the young 
uh, gun and run uh, Memphis Grizzlies squad in transition. Uh, Javi, your last thoughts here um, on the Warriors' second round matchup uh, before we close off the show. I know we all want the smoke against the Memphis Grizzlies, but uh, what are you looking for uh, tonight in the game six matchup? For tonight's game, I feel like Memphis is going to come out and be aggressive. Uh, They're going to keep it very physical, especially for Carl Anthony Towns. And it will be a very tough game. It will depend on, you know, Scott Foster and the officials, whether they want to let it be physical or call easy tacky fouls. That will determine the game. But what I do want to see from Minnesota is early on, they have to get Carl Anthony Towns post up more frequently down low, have Edwards make his shots early on, and have D'Lo also make good plays for them down the line. And I think if we do see Minnesota have that in their bag tonight and the officials make it into a very non-aggressive game, we could potentially see a seven-game series. Great thoughts there, Javi. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to if I think the X factor, like you said, was Brandon Clark. If the Timberwolves can shut down Brandon Clark some way, uh, forcing him to like a 12 point mark in the lower, in the lower tens. And I think they have a chance here at being able to move it to game seven as well. Again, Warriors fans, we are waiting for the winner of Grizzlies and Timberwolves. Warriors will either play on Sunday or on Tuesday. It's been a blast here on this episode, Javi, breaking down the game five win and analyzing who the Warriors could play and how those rotations and matchups will be. I want to thank our listeners for joining into this episode this week of the Warriors 24-7 podcast. Follow us on Twitter again at Warriors 24-7 pod. Follow me, Brandon Cadiz, on Twitter at B-C-A-D-I-Z-0. I tweet a lot about the Warriors and always going to comment on breaking news on the Warriors side. Javi, hopefully, will be getting a Twitter very, very soon. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode, guys. And as always, this show is presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.